Spring forward at Banana Republic Factory with 50 to 70% off everything. Shop season favorites from colorful dresses to easy tops from $19.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Shop 50 to 70% off almost everything at Gap Factory. Get 60% off select jeans and dresses. Shop the sale through March 28th at Gap Factory and GapFactory.com. This is Kim Meyer, host of Choose to Rise. Thanks for listening to the following broadcast on Public House Media. everybody. I'm back with another episode of No Filter Friday on Public House Media, and I am sitting here with Officer Kevin Udy, um, who is a police officer in North Carolina and also is a TikTok star, basically. So thanks for coming on the show. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, so I have been dying to interview a police officer on the show because I want to talk about um, how people can go about effectively reporting sex crimes, whether it happened to themselves in the moment or afterwards or to somebody they love and like, you know, guiding them through the process. So what do you do if you find yourself experiencing a sex crime in the moment? Like, what do you, what do you do? Well, in the moment, I tell people all the time, it's it's extremely, it's one of the most egregious things that someone can have done to them. Um, So if you find yourself in, in an exact moment of being sexual assaulted, pay attention to detail. Do what you can do to protect yourself. If you can fight the attacker off, fight the attacker off. Um, but make sure you keep yourself safe. Um, but just pay attention to detail. And I know that's not always easy because what you're going through is a very traumatic experience. Um, and so what you'll see is when when you when you have someone who has dealt with sexual assault or who has been sexual assault, they will they will lose parts of their memory as their brain tries to break out. Uh, their brain tries to block out certain traumatic experiences that they've had. So if you're in that moment and you're being sexually assaulted, I would say be extremely attentive to what you can, but protect yourself at all costs. If you can fight your attacker off, fight your attacker off. If you have to, and, and it sounds egregious in nature, but if you have to, not even allow, but if you, whatever you have to do to protect yourself, do that in that moment. Um, if you were to call 911, like what would you say in the moment, like to make them basically. Yes. Yes, ma'am. If you, if you call 911, there are several different ways that you can say, uh, if you're with your attacker, um, there's options. So you've heard people actually call and act like they're ordering a pizza. Um, they'll say, Hey, you know, I need a pepperoni pizza. They know that they're in distress. Um, 911 and most emergency dispatchers are, are trained in hearing and, 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 and being properly able to respond to those. Um, but if in that moment you are being sexually assaulted or you need a police officer, you can just simply ask a police officer to come to your location because you've been assaulted. You don't have to go into detail. We understand that that is a traumatic experience and we want to make you as comfortable as possible. So we will meet you wherever you're comfortable meeting um, and, and, and go from there. Amazing. If you know someone that this has happened to, how do you support them from like a law enforcement side? Like if you were to take someone, if somebody comes to you and tells you, oh, like I was, you know, a victim of a sex crime and you say, okay, we need to report this. How do you go about um, explaining or convincing that person to go to the police? Well, a lot of times 
I mean, it's statistically speaking, about 42% of all sexual assaults go unreported in America because people are ashamed. They're ashamed of what they took place. They're, they play the victim. You know, this is my fault. I caused this. Um, so if I know someone who is that, I try to convince them to contact law enforcement. Most law enforcement agencies do have female detectives who can assist, but sometimes that just makes things a little more comfortable. Um, but also a lot of the times, even, even if it's a, a, a large amount of time has passed, a lot of times just talking to someone, getting that information out there, it's a, it's a huge step in the healing process. Absolutely. So I, I so I just, I try to, if, 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 and like I said, I've, I've dealt with sexual assault on several occasions, urge them to be open and honest, take it, take it as, 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 as fast paced or as slow paced as they would like, um, because at the end of the day, my job is to make sure they're comfortable. They just went to one of the most traumatic things a human being could face. So basically, it's, you know, take it at their own pace and explain to them that, you know, it's the perpetrator's fault, not the victim's fault. Can work it out later. Yes, um, yes ma'am. So what is the process of seeking justice as a victim? Like say, okay, you decide that you want to go to the police, um, you make a report, then what happens after that? Okay, well, what happens after that? The police, like I said, a law enforcement officer, whoever, detective will show up wherever you feel comfortable for them to show up at. Um, They will do a report. They're going to ask you very detailed questions. Now, they also understand that they're not going to be pushy. They're not going to expect you to know all the answers. Um, but they want to know every little detail. Like I said, I said, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, the d- detail, even the smallest detail can be the biggest clue sometimes. So we try to be extremely detailed. What were you wearing? What was the attacker wearing? Um, do you still have the clothes? Have you taken a shower prior to this? You know, and, it's, and at some point we we take them either with a friend, family member, whoever they're comfortable with, or even if they don't want to go with law enforcement, we will send them to the hospital. Um, to have a sexual assault kit done on them. What that does is that preserves DNA and evidence. So the process goes from that. Once we've collected evidence, once we've collected uh, all the documentation that we need, once we've interviewed the the victim, um, if she's aware of who her attacker is, if she knows, I mean, because statistically speaking, most people who are attacked, and this is not always 100%, but most people who are attacked know their assailant. Um, So if she knows or if he knows who the assailant was, then we start the interview process of bringing that individual in, um, putting a case together. Like I said, this is not just a fly by the fly by the you know collar type deal. We want to make sure that whatever charges we bring against somebody sticks because we don't want this person to have to be go through a court system and be traumatic and, and have to relive that traumatic experience over and over again. So we kind of want to do this as a you know all in. Um, so once we get it right the first time. Yes, man. We definitely want to get it right the first time because I mean, we we understand, and I shouldn't say understand because that's a that's such a that's such a uh, crazy word. But we emphasize with what you're dealing with because we can only imagine how we would feel or how we would feel if one of our loved ones was in that same experience that you were just in. So for us, we just make sure that we we are extremely you know complimentary and and and, pol- and polite to you as possible. We go at your pace, and like I said, when we ever collect once we collect. All the evidence, once we build a case together, then we go through the court process. The court process generally starts, we make an arrest. Once you make an arrest, the arrest goes before the magistrate or or before the district court judge. The district court judge will then set a bond. Um, At that point, that individual, just based on his constitutional rights, does have a right to receive an attorney. He cannot afford an attorney, one provided for him at the call at 
at the you know at taxpayers' expense, basically. Um, and then you'll go to court. And generally, what happens is your first court appearance is just to figure out what's going to take place. Is there going to be a trial? Is this person going to plead guilty? What what is the deal? Um, and then after that, that's when we start getting into the nuts and bolts of things to where we're starting to say, hey, listen, at some point we're going to have to have you we're going to have to have you testify. We're going to have to have you speak out against. Now, nine times out of ten, you know that that's that's extremely scary um, for someone who's already been um, traumatized, deeply traumatized, go, yes, deeply deeply traumatized to have to go back up and face their attacker. Um, but the way the court rules, you know, people have the right to face their accuser. I mean, it, it's 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 in it's in the laws. Um, but we try to we try to build such a strong case prior to that that we we don't have to take it to trial because that's our goal. That's our end goal is not to have to take it to trial. Um, our end goal is to make an arrest, have such overwhelming evidence and so much overwhelming testimony that the individual that's been accused has no other choice but to say, you know what, this is me, I messed up, and then we can proceed. And that way they can avoid trial. No, that yes, may well. That's um, you know, I guess. The ability to plead guilty is a beautiful thing in that situation because they can you can save the save the victim and really the whole court in general the horrific business of unpacking that bag when the evidence is there that what happened. But what happens when you don't have a rape kit though? Is there any other evidence that can be supplied? Yeah, I mean yes, man. We we I mean we we can pull up. I mean like as far as detective work goes, detective work doesn't just start with a with a DNA collection kit, there's other things like, okay, do you know your assailant? Okay, then we can start pulling up your whereabouts from the night before. Was there any phone calls? I mean, there are so many different steps to go into what we do to find an assailant outside of just, okay, well, we're going to get a DNA kit and then we're done. You know, because sometimes what if what if you get a DNA kit and somebody's DNA is not on fire? You know, they've never committed a, another yeah. agree. They've never committed another egregious act like this, or they've never done anything of this type of manner, so their DNA may not be on file. So if you're just going based on DNA, then you're already setting yourself up for failure. So what we do is we do an overwhelmingly good job of just going about the details. We want to particular, how, what, tell me how your day went from morning to, to end. You know, don't leave anything out where you went for breakfast, what you ate for breakfast, where you went for lunch, what you ate for lunch, what you did in between, what you did prior to coming home, where you were, um, the clothes you were wearing, um, Anything that stuck out to you? Was there anything that just made the hair on your hair stand up? And then we start pulling, you know, camera footage that we have maybe in a park somewhere from a gas station or cell phone. You know, maybe they've got some weird phone calls. You know, then we can start tra tracing IP addresses and pinging phone locations. So there's there's a ton of other outlets that we have in the event the DNA is not available. Because, you, like I said, I mean, 42% of all, all, uh, sexual assaults go unreported because people are nervous and probably another 20 percent um reported much later so there is no dna so how do we how do we go about that and that's just taking the steps that we do that i just uh talked about um for the people that report later um what is is the process exactly the same or is it different it, it's going to be the exact same the only difference is, is you're not going to be transported to the hospital to uh have a DNA kit or a sexual assault kit performed. Um, you're still gonna, you're, we're still gonna meet wherever you feel comfortable. Um, we're still gonna go at your pace. Um, we're still gonna ask you the same questions um, because at the end of the day, we want to make sure that we don't think for a second that what you're telling us is untruthful. We want you to think for every, we want you to think the whole time that we're there to help you because that's what we truly are. Because 
I mean, I, I like I said, I worked it for several years, and I think it's one of the most grotesque, grotesque things that you can do to someone is to traumatize them that matter. So what I do is I try to be as empathetic as possible, try to be as soft-spoken as possible, and let them speak at their rate. Like, I will never force you to talk about something. I will never push anything on you. Um, we're going to go at whatever pace. So it's going to be the almost the same exact process. The only difference is is if it's if it happens to deal with a child um then we don't we we don't have the option to not do something like with yes. sexual assault in an adult you have the option to say you know what i'm not i don't want to say anything i don't want to do anything with a child you don't have that option so that that's, um, so, that would be the only difference okay so reporting so what is your obligation when it's um a sex crime against a child your obligation, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a pastor, preacher, um, cop, whether you're a mom or dad, if you if you feel your son, daughter have been sexually assaulted, then you immediately have to report that to law enforcement. Like you immediately have to report. You don't get to delay in that. You don't get to. And if you find out that you are delayed, then we can bring charges against you. And unfortunately, it's kind of the same basis that we go through with an adult, which is even more traumatic on a child. However, it's just a little, I mean, the nature of that's just for me is a little more egregious than in an adult. Oh, absolutely. That's a, that's a incredibly hard thing to try to go against. Um, because a lot of times, you know, especially kids are told that, you know, don't tell anybody you're going to get in trouble and trying to get, trying to get over that hurdle is hard enough in an adult, let alone a child who's so, so, so scared. Yes, ma'am. And that's why I try to tell parents, like with my, I have two children. Um, I don't listen to what my kids say. I watch what my kids do. Uh, and I can tell when my daughter or my son has just had a bad day. They don't have to say anything to me. I can just tell. And I think when you start watching, children will always show you how they feel before they tell you how they feel. And I think if you start seeing body language changes out of your child when they're around somebody, um, when they go somewhere for the night and they come back and they're not the same as they were before, I think those are things that you got to start looking at. Say, hey, listen, something, you know, you sit down and have that conversation. You can explain, you know, hey, listen, what I'm about to explain to you is not going to be easy, but I want you to know you're not in trouble. It's not your fault. It's just, you know, dad, mom are here to help you, whoever, and, and just and just be as empathetic. They're, they don't understand what just happened to them. They don't understand. No, they don't, and a lot of them don't have the vocabulary to even tell you. <laughs> they have so little resources to work with yes ma'am i agree with you and, and and that's the troubling thing and that's why i tell people all the time like i've i've done such a good job with myself and i know a lot of other a lot of other law enforcement officers have done the same of just watching people and studying people because you can watch people's habits and see like i said people will always show you who they are before they tell you um and that's the same way like i tell people all out and about like if you're out and about you know watch your surroundings watch how people um, and it's not always easy because you're going about your day. You're not paying attention. Um, and even as even if you're safe as possible, you can still become a victim. I've seen it happen. And unfortunately, it doesn't matter how safe you are or what you try to do. They're just bad human beings in the world. Um, but when it comes to children. Just be very mindful of how they look um, and how they walk and how they act. You know, if you if you see a change in that behavior, then we definitely need to have a conversation about why they're changing their behavior when they're around someone or why they're changing their behavior when they leave and then come back. Oh, absolutely. For sure. I mean, that's a, 
that's a, a super hard thing to deal with. Um, a thing, a situation that I've seen a lot um, in my time, you know, working in this sort of space is that um, a family member or an organization will cover up for the assailant. Um, how, from a law enforcement perspective, do you do you get around with that, or do you deal with it? Well, that's gross negligence, and that's a chargeable offense if you're aiding and abetting someone or trying to use money. And and unfortunately, a lot of people have gotten away with a lot of bad things because they do have a lot of money. The one thing that we do, like I spoke about earlier, is we just we overwhelm them with so much evidence that they can't they can't just sidestep it because we that's you know as law enforcement officers we do do a very due diligent job when it comes to things of this nature of making sure that we've crossed all our T's and dotted all our I's because this is not just some, like I said earlier, we're not just doing this, you know, this is not just some misdemeanor charge we're taking before the magistrate. You know, this is something that may take weeks, it may take months to put in play. But once once it's in play, we we have all the all the marbles on the table and we're ready to go. So I think the biggest thing that we do to get around corporations or businesses who are trying to aid and abet uh, an assailant from, from this type of action is we just, we overwhelm them with with uh, evidence, and then we also have other ways. You know, okay, do we need to? If it's a business, okay, we'll, we'll get code enforcement. We'll we'll start talking labor laws. We'll, you know, when you start talking other things that start messing with their pockets and start messing with the things that they're naturally um, everyday lives are doing, then it kind of it kind of makes them start taking a step back and like, hey, listen, it's not worth it. We just need to let this individual go. Yeah, just uh, take the take the criminal, leave the rest of us alone. That's, I mean, that's. That's good enough. Where um, now that we're living in this hashtag Me Too era, um, has that changed um, the way that law enforcement and the judicial system works with these sorts of reports? I think it's 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 educated us a lot because we've uh, we've we've had to take a step back and look at it and say, okay, listen, how can we come at this from a different angle? You know, if there's a ton of people out there who who are unwilling to come forward, why are they willing to come forward and just trying to understand, you know, like I said, I can't, I can't speak for, you know, I've never been sexually assaulted, so I can never sit here and say, I understand what some might do. But what I try to do is I try to get inside the mind and say, listen, if something like that had happened to me, what would make me not want to get justice? And then you start thinking about all the things that come in and in, in place with that, the humility, you know, them blaming themselves, they feel degraded. Um, and a lot of these people look that already have low self-esteem. I mean, they crumble. Like, I mean, I, I don't I don't have it in front of me, but I'm not sure the statistical rate on suicide for people who have been sexually assaulted. Um, but I know that it's it's up there. Um, and so for yeah, the us, attempted suicide rate is actually very high. And that's not something that anybody. Yes, really and, and so here. I think. No, I agree. They don't. And I feel like that they should, because I don't think that they understand the toll it takes on a person mentally. Um, and for me, that's the one thing that I try to do is I try to get I want to be I want to get inside your mind because your mind is your biggest enemy. Uh, and I say that because your mind plays tricks on you. Your mind will tell you things. And like I said, your mind will have you believe in things that aren't true. Um, so what I want to do and I think what the Me Too movement has done is it just opened our eyes up to to start watching individuals and start paying closer attention um, to these um, and even if even if somebody doesn't want to report it, and like I said, they don't have to. But let's say a friend comes to that thing and say, hey, listen, my sister or my girlfriend or my friend, you know, she was sexually assaulted, but she doesn't want to report it. It's her choice. She doesn't have to. But what we try to do is we try to have 
if it's a male, we have a male detective. If it's a female, we'll have a female detective reach out and just try and talk with them and say, hey, listen, you know, you know, we we, we heard something that may have happened to you last night. We're gonna, not going to go into detail with you because we don't want to bring that up. Um, but just want you to know that we're here for you. Here's a card. Here's a business number. You know, we'll, we'll meet you anytime, day or night, anywhere you want to. If you just want to talk, you know, we're always here for you. And I think that, you know, and then also just saying, hey, listen, if you do want to, you know, do that, just take these steps. Uh, that way in the future, if anything changes, I think we 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 give it back to the to the victim instead of trying to force it that they have to do something about it. We we make it their choice because we don't want and I and I tell people all the time that's the number one thing that we don't want to do. We don't we as law enforcement officers do not want to be another traumatic experience for someone who has already been through one of the worst traumatic experiences of their life. For um for like later on down the road, like say they do get um, a conviction and that person does their time and they come out and obviously they're going to be like a registered sex offender, at least for a while. Um, is there any protection in place um, of when the, you know, when the perpetrator gets out of jail for their victim? Yes, ma'am. Most of the time, whenever they're getting out of jail, they're put on parole. Um, and that parole, that parole is also going to dictate that they're not to have any contact with that victim whatsoever, not by email, not by text message, not by phone call, not by Internet, not by social media, nothing. Any interaction violates your parole. You go back to prison immediately. Um, so, and then, like I said, here in North Carolina, we have what's called a 50B, which is also a protection order, which just means the same exact thing. If you have any contact with that individual whatsoever, you go to jail without question. There is no there is no pass go. There's nothing. You go straight to jail. Um, and that's one of the ones I was speaking to you earlier about that we shall arrest upon. If you have a protection order in place against someone and they violate that, that we shall arrest no matter what. We come out and we will make an arrest. So I think that that's one thing that they can at least be a little comforted by. Like I said, and nothing is 100 percent, of course. Um, but when the assailant does get out, they are put on a registry list. They have to notify the sheriff's department um, of their local county, wherever they move. So they we know exactly where they are. Um, they have to uh, all electronic devices have to be registered through the sheriff's department and they're put on that um, that protection order that if you have any contact with this individual whatsoever, even if you contact a friend to try and find out about this individual, you immediately go to jail. No contact it directly or indirectly. Yes, ma'am. How fantastic. Well, I'm so happy to hear that North Carolina, North Carolina is so on top of their um, their sex crime enforcement game because it's a very very long hard road for a victim in any way shape or form um to deal with it but it's even harder when you don't feel supported by your police or your judicial system where you're trying to seek justice i i absolutely agree and i think that's the biggest thing is that people you know they should know like there should be more ads i feel like online and and on tv of where where these people can go. I mean, there's actually a, a, a national sexual assault hotline where they have people um, who are trained to talk with these individuals about what to do if they don't want to report it to the police. And I have that number, um, if you'd like it, um, that you could give, um, like I said, it, it, if you're sexually assaulted anywhere in, in, in America, you can call this number 24-7-365. Someone who will be will pick up who's licensed, who's trained, who will be able to speak with you. Um, if even if you don't want to speak with law enforcement, they can give you the direct steps. Because even if you don't want, let's say you don't want to speak to law enforcement, but you want to do something just in the event you do, then you can still go to the hospital and ask them 
to do a uh, sexual assault kit on you. They will do that. And they will preserve that. Um, that way, if in the future you change your mind, like I said, our, the whole process is already overly traumatic for you anyway, and we don't want to make it worse. So there are so many outlets that you have available outside of just talking to the police if that's not something you're comfortable with at the time. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I have been waiting to do this for so long. This is like <laughs> an interview that I've been trying to do for well over 100 episodes. Yes, ma'am. I certainly appreciate you having me on. Like I said, I apologize for the delay. My uh, computer was acting crazy, but I'm certainly glad we were on. Hopefully, hopefully that answered a few um, questions that people may have. Hopefully it brought a little comfort to uh, some individuals who, who may have been on the ropes about whether or not they want to report something. Um, so I certainly appreciate Absolutely. it. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Well, that was enough No Filter Friday for one week. So check out other shows on Public House Media like Choose to Rise or CJ and Cell. And I will see you all next week. 